if I know where the permanent market is and what the permanent market wants and doesn't want, I know where my takeout is. And the reason we make loans is to get paid back. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Jared Schlosser of Peachtree Group formerly known as Stonehill Capital. Jared is a loan originator in the hospitality space, as well as a business developer for the group. We are looking forward to talking with Jared today. We're also going to be talking to him a little bit about podcasting because we met because he's interested in becoming a podcast host. Jared, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on. This is a business to business podcast. This is called Elements of Styles. What are you looking at doing with your podcast? You know, I'm on probably anywhere from seven to 10 calls a day where I'm pitching business and I'm explaining to people, you know, what we do, why we do it, um, you know, what where rates are, you know, where our leverage points are, what type of assets we're lending on. And this is a really good way and a really good medium, I think, to be able to share that and and cut down you know those seven calls to say hey click on this and it talks about you know what we're lending on right now um also you know we have you know peachtree is a is a full service investment manager that does a lot of different things right so we do um everything from building hotels to buying hotels to lending on hotels to lending on other things uh, like multifamily, construction loans, et cetera. And because we do so many different things, the idea is, hey, can we highlight different people in the company and what they do and basically, you know, do the same thing, right? Like, you know, for instance, if we've got an acquisitions guy that's out buying hotels, what's he looking for? What's he seeing in the market? You know, why should I why should I contact him? And if I do, you know, is this going to educate me a little bit before I contact him so I know what I'm talking about or what I'm asking? So that's kind of the purpose, I think, of how uh, at least I'm thinking about going about it. But curious, you know, how you got into this and why? You know, it's it's first of all, that's a great question. Um, I got into it because I like to get out in front of marketing ideas, you be that unique first in market. Uh, I was introduced to the concept by a friend who was starting a networking group called Core 7. It's a business solutions where seven professionals, it's kind of a wealth table concept. So you have a financial advisor, you have a real estate professional, you have an estate planning attorney, you have a closing attorney, you have a mortgage loan officer, you have a property and casualty insurance, you have a CPA, and they all get together and they network with one another, in essence, to take care of that consumer. So uh, kind of a fractured family office, if you will. And he wanted to have a podcast. So I started interviewing people based on that. And I, I got the bug and I said, you know what? This is a tremendous way to help promote some of our referral partners. So my business primarily has been real estate 
residential and commercial transactions as well as estate planning. So can I interview financial advisors, CPAs, real estate agents, uh, loan professionals to help them build their business and provide this digital piece of content that's unique in the industry? You know, so if they're uh, fearless enough to come on to the podcast, expand their comfort zone, and then share that, that becomes this digital business card, right? So yep. somebody listens to that and, and learns to get to know them, love them, trust them before they even meet them, you know, and it's funny, Jared. So, so, you know, why you start doing something and then, you know, the unintended consequences of it, you triggered my mind when you said, um, we, you know, somebody listens to it and why would they do business with us? And I thought moments ago, somebody said, can you introduce me to a reverse mortgage person? And I have in the past sent over the podcast of David Tortolot, who's a local reverse mortgage specialist in Massachusetts, who is on the podcast. And I say, boom, listen to this call to action is there. Bang. Oftentimes we have guests who need to work with one another. So then it's, Hey, Jared, meet David. You both have something in common. You know, you are both on Elements of Styles. Jared is looking for a reverse mortgage specialist for his mother or his father or, or a client that they may have. So those things you don't really expect. However, the idea was, you know, they're looking for every angle to separate themselves from you know, they're, they're uh, the folks that do what they do, right? So how do you do that? How do you get somebody to, rather than look at me, I am the highest listing winner of the year, or here, look at this new listing. It's here, listen to my story. Understand how I got into this. Yeah. You know, connect with me at a really deep level. And a lot of people are consuming podcasts. So, you know, if someone sends them a podcast, oh, I love podcasts. I'll listen to that when I'm walking my dog, when I'm, you know, running on the treadmill, when I'm in between appointments, I need a real estate agent. Somebody sent me this. This person is wonderful. I'm going to call them. And then they yeah. call them and and I I'm told from the guest what that experience is like because those people know them. You know, it's almost like celebrity status, right? How does this person know so much about me and I don't know what they look like, right? So right. at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, you know, the ROI has been challenging to figure out. However, um, with the business to business model, you know, follow-ups, everything, right? So, you know, if you're following up and you're deepening that relationship, you're bringing value to that person, it's great, but I'll tell you the the other unintended con uh, consequence was the the life energy that it gives, Jared. So, you know, for me to be able to put the phone down and to focus all of my attention on one person, that doesn't happen a lot these days. And in podcasting and interviewing, you know, I really have to take that Stephen Covey comment uh, to heart. It's you know, listen to learn, listen to understand, don't listen to figure out what I'm going to say next. And it's, you know, it's really helped me in that way. And what is really interesting is that, you know, people are unique. Everybody's got something valuable to teach. And that's one of the things, 
you'll learn when you're asking people to come on the podcast and they're going to hesitate, yeah. right? So there's a comfort zone. Like, I don't know. What if I say something stupid? What if I say something that's wrong? What if people don't like me? You know, all of those things will come in the head. However, it's not reality. Yeah. It's really interesting because you made me think of something, you know, just talking about like, when do we put our phones away and actually carry on a real conversation with someone? And, you know, I'm from Atlanta and, you know, every time April runs around, somebody you're doing business with asks you about the masters, right? Like, have you been to the masters? And I have, and, you know, people say, well, what's the best part, you know, beautiful course, uh, you know, the prices are set in 1976 or whatever. So it's like dollar beers and dollar sandwiches and whatnot. And it's like adult Disneyland, right? But you know, Mark, the best part is that you can't bring your phone in. Ah. So I went a couple of years ago with uh, one of my lifelong best friends that had an extra ticket and left the phone in the car. We walked around the golf course and my memory of it isn't necessarily how beautiful it was or how awesome, you know, being there and the vending, you know, all that stuff. It was just the conversation. Like I had 10 hours of catch up uninterrupted conversation with a lifelong friend and meaningful conversation. Um, and that's what I remember. And that's, I think what's really cool about um, what you're saying here is to, to be able to sit down with somebody and actually focus. Cause I think we've, we've gotten away from that, right? It's like, you're sitting at your desk, you're getting a million emails or phone calls or people are knocking on the door, but when do I sit down with somebody and really have some meaningful conversation? And then certainly to your point, if, if that involves business, then, you know, even better, right? Um, but I think that's a really cool aspect of this concept. Because even when you're on a Zoom call, I mean, you can see the person who's multitasking, right? When you're interviewing somebody for a podcast, you can't. Like, you Sorry. know that, yeah, sure, maybe we can edit something out if I fall asleep and, you know, don't hear what Jared is saying and we can work with it. But that's... That's no good. That's not genuine. One of the things you will experience as a podcast host is the element of learning, right? I've started to say, you know, everybody is unique and they bring some form of value, but you can learn something from everybody if you really listen and they really get vulnerable. And you find that people will get vulnerable in a podcast conversation. Now, I love the concept of propping people up. So, so Elements of Styles is a business to business podcast whereby I always say to the guest, a good episode is where I'm talking 10%, you're talking 90%. You're telling your story. Where did you how did you get in the business? What are you doing? Who's your ideal client? Get people to know who you are. Get people to know who you are, not me. Right. So with that, you get curious, right? Yeah. With that, you get them to go a little bit deeper because you ask those questions. And ultimately, you have provided something for them that they had to take courage. There's courage involved in being a guest. There's trust, too, which is why I always encourage the pre-call 
uh, that ringmaster supports so 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 heavily. And you do that pre-call and you build that trust. And when business to business, you know, that's a touch, right? So that's a conversation you're having. I love what you're doing with your company. I think that's brilliant, right? So highlight the members of your team, right? Mm -hmm. So all boats rise with the tide, right? So, you know, somebody comes into your office and wants to, wants uh, a, a hotel acquisition. Well, maybe that's not exactly what Jared does, but the person down the hall Bam, here's the podcast. So have you gotten folks in the organization excited about being on a podcast or have we not unveiled that to the team yet? We haven't really talked about it yet. Um, I think it's just figuring out the idea and the concept and then, um, you know, then we get people excited about it. But I think people will be excited. I mean, look, uh, you know, whether you're buying a, ho a hotel, building a hotel, lending on a piece of real estate, it all boils down to relationships and, um, you know, what better way to articulate, you know, why to do business with somebody than, you know, set up a podcast and talk about it. You know, why are yes. you in the business? What do you do every day? What are you passionate about? What are your hobbies? Um, it, it probably, you know, breaks the ice a little bit um, to your point earlier where, you know, somebody's listening to it and they feel like they already know you. Um, that's what I think the concept really is. And I think people here will be excited about it, particularly, you know, for example, we do a type of pace lending uh, or type of lending called pace lending or, or, or C pace lending. It's complicated. Most people have never heard of it. So, you know, our business development folks that sell that product um, have to give the same pitch over and over and over again. And for them to not only be able to tell their story, but to have something to say, hey, do you want to know what pace is? Go to, go to our website and click here and listen to the podcast. It's, it's way better than, hey, here, read a bunch of stuff about this that frankly, nobody has time or desire in this day and time to, um, to read about. So it feels like a really cool concept that I'm certainly excited about, but you don't know what you don't know, right? Until you do it. Yeah. And you'll make mistakes. I, I can assure you of that. However, you're going to be great. I can tell, right? So you you appear to be an audible learner, right? So, cause yeah. you're taking that position of like, you know, you, similar to me, like who has time to read these technical brochures when if you tell it to me, I got it. And there are a lot of us out there, Jared. So cheers to you and your team and best of luck. And I want to help you in any way I possibly can, but let's hear about you now. Let's, let's turn it back to you. So what exactly does the vice president and business development officer do at your organization? So I run um, hotel originations, which okay. means when we go and uh, originate a, a hotel loan, um, I'm on the front lines and, and managing people that are on the front lines, going out and finding opportunities to lend on hotels. Um, what we do is generally pretty specific. We lend on 
200 key or less limited select service, premium branded hotels. You know, that can be anything from a Hampton End or a Marriott Courtyard. You know, we certainly lend on stuff that's outside of that. But when you look at our profile, it's 90% of what we've lent on historically. And we're going out and trying to find opportunities. So I manage a team that does that. I also um, run our pace company. Um, which is mentioned as a type of lending that we do. And there's a team of, you know, six people that go out and originate and close pace loans and build a, a portfolio of those type of, of loans as well. So you mentioned that that's a complicated le- loan facility. What is a pace, pace loan in the Cliff Notes version? There's a state-by-state uh, legislated product that allows you to lend on certain line items in a construction or value add budget and get repaid back through property tax assessment. So effectively, instead of paying monthly debt service, it's an annual or semi-annual property tax. And it's, you know, 20 to 30 years fixed and can reduce your cost of capital tremendously because instead of doing MES or preferred equity, which today can be anywhere from, you know, 12 to 20 plus percent, this is eight and a half percent fixed. So it's interesting, promote energy efficiency. So, you know, in most states, if you're building to code, you're building an efficient product anyway. So you're taking advantage of something of your, your already building. And, you know, it's not easy to make deals pencil today. Construction costs have risen over the last 18 months. Interest rates obviously have gone up tremendously over the last 18 months. So if you want to build something today and and take the rewards of being, you know, risk on, then you've really got to be creative. And this is a creative product that can allow you to to lend on something and and make it pencil where it otherwise wouldn't at higher interest rates. So folks, for those listening 5, 10, 15 years from now, Jared's talking about, we're talking here in the summer of 2023, where we had a, a massive acceleration in interest rates and costs and all of that. Um, Is that product, the PACE product, is that a quasi-public-private partnership? Is there a a government uh, component to that or is that? It's it's private. So the government, um, you know, approves the legislation and gives the tax collector the authority to collect the payment. Um, because it's it's on your property tax bill. So that's the only government involvement after that. Um, it's it's a private company like like Peachtree um, giving out the loan. Got it. And what what does the process look like from origination to closing for a hotel? Like what's the due diligence period and what's the the amount of people involved and how's that look? So it varies. Right. Um, I always tell people that we can run with the speed in which you can deliver me information, Um, which sounds obvious, but, you know, there are people that want to close in 30 days and it takes them 20 to get you information. Right. Right. Whereas there's people that are like, I got to close in 30 days and they'll get you everything day one and we can close in 30 days. Right. Um, You know, the, the process is we sign up a deal um, it's been fully vetted on our end. We don't issue term sheets unless it's vetted. So we're not sending out something that, you know, we don't have buy-in in- internally on. Um, once we sign up the deal, we order third-party reports like an appraisal, environmental report, title, et cetera. Um, we go out and see everything that we lend on. 
Um, cause we're not going to put our dollars into something that we haven't, you know, seen ourselves and fully believe on. And then once we've gotten all the due diligence, the borrower information, our third parties, we put together an internal memo, everybody signs off on it and we close, you know, we have closed since I've been here, um, over the last four plus years, we've closed deals as fast as, you know. 10 days. Wow. The majority of transactions take anywhere from 45 to 60 days. It really just depends, you know, on, on the situation and what's needed, right? We're private lenders. So we, we, we're not bound by, you know, things that a bank is bound by or an insurance company. Um, so we can move as fast as we need to. It just depends on kind of the situation that the client's in. So what is the so again reminding folks August 2023 what what are you seeing in the hospitality hotel space and where it's going So it's funny you know when you grow up in the real estate business right the uh, hotels are always that kind of thumb asset where most people don't understand it. Most people don't want to lend on it. Um, it. You know, they'll say, oh, it's more of an operating business. Um, so it's really been primarily over the last, you know, uh, 15, 16 years that I've been in the business, it's been kind of the niche asset that hotel groups lend on. Um, right now with rising interest rates, um, people don't want to lend on anything that doesn't generally have like a one to five debt service coverage, yeah. right? Well, a hotel is one of the only asset classes that can actually cover because it trades at higher cap rates. So it has, you know, generally higher cash flow and higher debt service coverage than a multifamily asset or an industrial asset. So all of a sudden everybody wants to lend on hotels. Um, so it's highly competitive right now. Um, I do think there's a lot of volatility in it and that you have groups that are, you know, they can't lend on traditional multi or industrial. They don't want to lend on office because, you know, of what's going on with office and COVID um, and return to work. So you're seeing people jump in the hotel space and get 30, 45 days in due diligence and then blow out of the deal because they didn't realize what they were getting into. Right. Or they don't know how to do the analysis. So it's it's highly competitive and highly volatile right now. And, you know, our our advantage is this is what we do every single day. So we just stick to it and, you know, we can provide a surety of closing um, and a surety of a smooth process where a lot of groups can. Hmm. What does a typical term look like for for a hotel loan facility? Three to five years. Yeah. Um, we certainly do permanent loans, but most people come to us because they want to build something or they want to buy something and Got make it. it make it better. And then um, they retire it to more of a conventional. Yep. Got it. That's interesting. Uh, you touched on office. Where's that going? It's a falling knife. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look, you could you could have an entire podcast where somebody could come on and tell you that there are going to be some really rich people five years from now buying at the bottom of office because everybody thinks that return to work is, you know, either one way or another. And if you bet right, you're going to make a lot of money. You could have another guest come on 
and tell you they wouldn't lend on an office asset ever again. Um, nobody knows what the future holds. Um, I think that the issue you have with office is it's very capital intensive, right? So you take a shopping center back as a lender, meaning you foreclose on the asset. You have leases, those leases pay you. It's pretty easy to understand, et cetera. An office building has a lot of hidden costs, mm. a lot of costs that you have to have to upkeep the building. Then you've got to have high you know, tenant improvement and leasing commissions that you have to pay to fill up an office building. So it's not just, hey, I'm at 65% of value on this office deal. It's hey, I'm 65% of value and I have to factor in all these costs to carry it. So I think that's, you know, 1A is that it's a very expensive asset to upkeep. Um, and then 1B is just what's the value, right? I mean, I think that there are, you know, infill offices like the one I'm sitting in in Buckhead where, People are going to come back to work in that office one way or another. It's just, what are they willing to pay rent at that time? Yeah. Um, I think there's suburban office or office that got built over the last five years that just simply doesn't work, won't work. And, you know, that value effectively has to be something low enough to be able to convert it into a better use. So there's going to be winners and losers and, I think the concern for people in the commercial real estate sector is have the lenders marked their office positions down to what their true value is. And when they do that, what happens to the market? Because there haven't been enough trades for me to tell you, yeah, Mark, I think that this office building is worth X amount all day long. So would that require a so-called short sale if, or, or is it, sponsors and owners throwing keys back at their lenders and just saying, I'm not even going to try to sell this. Here you go. I, I think right now, a lot of people are just kicking the can. Yeah. Like, Hey, if I can push this decision off as the lender, right. Yep. I can push this decision off 12 months, maybe return to work is better. Maybe interest rates go down, maybe, maybe a bunch of different things. Right. But that's what you're really seeing is, Hey, I'd rather deal with this problem in 2024 than 2023. Mm. And then you get to 24 and it's, Hey, I'd rather get to this problem in 2025, 2026. And when you look at what lenders did in 2020 with hotels, in a lot of cases that worked, right? right? Nobody was traveling in 2020. So you had a bunch of hotels that went immediately into default. And so, hey, if I kick the can to 21, travels come back a little bit. Hey, right. if I kick the can to 22, now travels have come ha, have come back full circle outside of convention, right? 2023, you either have a good asset or you don't. Right. The problem with offices is that I don't know what kicking the can is going to mean without a cultural shift. Um, and people are always going to travel. Right. But are people always going to work in an office or are they okay working from their house? I, to me, those are two different questions. And the answer to those questions could mean a, a, a big profit or a big loss for somebody. And a, and a repurpose 
right? Uh, you know, people immediately said, well, we need housing. Let's retrofit this to housing. And all the folks that know what's going on are like, no, you would be better off scraping that and building new housing than attempting to retrofit this. That's right. It's super what do you do? To do. Um, you can do it, right? But I think when you look at the way an office building is built, um, it, it's not built for uh for housing, right? It's not necessarily built for a hotel, right? So there's a lot of costs involved in um, you know, trying to repurpose an asset into something else, and you know. Can it be done? Absolutely. It could be done with any asset, but it can only be done if you buy it at the right number. Right. Because if it costs you an extra $50 to $100 a foot to convert, or even more than that in certain markets, you better make sure that your purchase price makes sense. And that's where um, that's where I think that conversion talk gets misaligned because you I, I, I hear it every day, right? You yep. get a business plan from somebody. I'm going to go, you know, buy this office and convert it to a hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that makes sense if the office um if the office purchase is purchased right, but I just told you a couple minutes ago, I don't know what that number is. Right. Right? So now I've got to look at, you know, what's my basis as a hotel? Do I like that? And then back into, okay, but what happens if I get stuck with an office? because they weren't able to convert it, right? And that that's where I think those challenge, the, those deals are challenging for lenders is the second ha- half of that. Because it's like, even if I like my new basis as a hotel, if I don't know 100% that I'm okay with my downside as an office building, how am I going to lend on it? Or how am I going to buy or invest? How did you find your way into this space and particularly with Stonehill? So the first loan I made into in the business was to the principals of this company. Ah. So I was a, a fresh banker back in um, 2014. I had finally risen after a long time being an underwriter to get my shot originating. Mm-hmm. And I met um, Matt and Greg and Jutton and Matul um, through an attorney that we had and we did, uh, a deal in Atlanta. They bought a holiday in, um, in downtown Atlanta, converted it to an AC and I gave them the loan to do it. And through working with them and working through that process, we all got close. Um, and you know, they were always a client of mine. And eventually in 2019, I had an opportunity to come over here and it was finally the right time to do it. Um, and it's been great. I mean, it's a very entrepreneurial shop. Um, you know, it, it's, it, these guys give you the keys and, and tell you to go make something out of it. And, um, I've loved it, but that, that's how I ended up here is, um, you know, they got to see working with me firsthand and, um, you know, it's when you go leave for a new gig, um, cause I loved my old job. Um, I worked at Boy at an awesome job. Um, you better know who you're going to work for and yeah. have a lot of trust there. And um, you know, that's a lesson that that I learned early on in my career is you know, if you're gonna make a move, you better be certain you know who you're 
you're going to work with. Um, and I was here and and mm. that's probably the biggest, you know, the biggest factor of why it's worked out is I knew if these guys present an opportunity and I go, I went and grinded and made the most out of it that they would, you know, reward me for doing so. And they have, how do you source new biz stuff like this? Yeah. Putting myself out there. I still cold call at, okay. you know, 17, 18 years in the business or 16 years in the business. I still pick up the phone and randomly call people. Um, I am on the road probably once a week going to conferences or, uh, you know, setting up meetings in a certain market that we want to be in, um, just putting myself out there, trying to find a deal wherever we can find it. The business, we don't sell commodities here. Yeah. Right. So I'm not like some of your guys that have been on, on the podcast that sell mortgages and, you know, they have a distinct clientele that's going to come to them because they're the most effectively priced or, you know, they, they're, they're selling a commodity that everybody needs. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to go out and, you know, explain to people what we do and who we are and, and why to work with us. And so it's what I do. And how do you stay, how do you stay current with the, with the industry and the, all the moving pieces with it? Um, you know, I, I follow publications, listen to podcasts, talk mm. to people, right. Um, you know, like, uh, that's why I think this concept of podcasting is so interesting. Like I listen, um, Trep does a podcast every Thursday where they talk about the market and what they're seeing. And for people in the business, um, particularly on the mortgage side, it's super interesting. Mm. Right. Um, it's a critical listen probably, right? It, 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 anywhere you can get that type of information. Cause they're, you know, what TREP's doing is they're keeping the CMBS analytics, Got which is the permanent market, right? So if I know where the permanent market is and what the permanent market wants and doesn't want, I know where my takeout is. And the reason we make loans is to get paid back. Right. And that's the, the you know, having that, that baseline of information of, of how we get paid back and where that market is and which we get paid back is critical. So I think it's podcasts and it's just, you know, I call people, um, you know, other lenders that I respect borrowers, um, you know, whoever I could talk to, you know, guys that are in construction that are building stuff, you know, Hey, what are you seeing? What are you working on? Um, the more you're in the trenches getting data, the better you are. And the more you're providing that data to other people, because people call me to do the same thing, um, you know, the better your relationships are. So right. I think that's, it, it's really just a combination of, you know, absorbing information that I can find and, you know, just talking to relationships and, and seeing what they're seeing in the field. So you mentioned TREP. What other podcasts are you listening to both for thought leadership and entertainment? So my cousin, Josh has a podcast called sports and torts, and he started it, you know, very similar to the way you started just to get his brand out there. Um, it's super entertaining. I was on it. Um, and that's what kind of got me excited about, 
um, podcasts and, and getting into podcasting. Um, so I listen to that every week. Um, I'm a huge UGA football fan, um, diehard. So, um, you know, uh, there's a few subscription services that do podcasts that have, you know, inside information they do, you know, during the football season, they'll break down the game beforehand, you know, what's going on with the team, who they're playing, you know, what they like, what they don't like. And it's just, to me, um, super interesting because, um, you know, I feel like I'm smarter watching the game. I love it. That's the underwriter in you, I think. Right? I think so. But, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go in and just watch the game. I want to feel either confident or I want to have managed expectations if we're going to get, you know, beat, which frankly hasn't happened in a couple of years. But. I love it. I love it. So who are you? Uh, who do you follow for that? What's your team? So I, I love Georgia. Um, George, there, there's rivals and a few other, um, publications, uh, that have like weekly podcasts that I subscribe to. Got it. Got it. Now, let me ask you this, Jared, if someone worked with you, they met you, they, they, they heard you on the podcast, they, they found you and said, listen, this is the acquisition we're making and you, you handle it. Uh, from the beginning to the end and they say you know what i want to do something for you i want to give you a testimonial website uh you know linkedin what have you what does that sound like i mean it's a great question I, I, i'll tell you what i want the answer to be yes i, I want people that i work with to say that guy's gonna run through a wall for me because that's the way that that i feel about the business cool and what i feel like the differentiator is it's like, you know, you can, you can get a loan from anybody. Right. And there's always going to be problems, particularly in this market. Mm -hmm. um, there's always going to be challenges, things that pop up, whether it's an appraisal issue or, you know, uh, some sort of underwriting issue or some market issue or something that nobody even foresaw. Right. Is that guy going to just you know, say, Hey, there's an issue deals dead, or are they going to run through a wall and try and figure a solution? Got it. And to me, that's what makes somebody, you know, more of a commander than a survivor, right? A survivor is just going to survive. And, you know, if they can get the deal done, great, but they just want to move on to the next assignment, a commander is going to take charge and, and, you know, push things through regardless of what the waters are like. And you want to be a commander in the business. You don't want to be a survivor. And that's, that's what I'm trying to be. So that's what I would hope that, that clients feel. And if they don't, I'd hope that they tell me so that I can improve. That's awesome. That's awesome. So coming on a podcast, uh, working to get people to come on your podcast is going to require going outside your comfort zone. One of the things we love to talk about with the comfort zone, the ultimate break of a comfort zone, in my opinion, is karaoke. Jared, we're together. We're doing karaoke. You're up next. What are you singing? Toto Africa. Oh, I love it. I love, by Toto, not by Weezer? No, no, no. You got to go Toto. No, <laughs> not the Weezer, but you got to go original and you got to be able to hit the high notes. Oh, can you? Even if you don't, I, I don't know that I can. Yeah. Um, I've certainly done it before, but it, usually if I'm at karaoke, it's after a few drinks. 
Yeah. So I'm comfortable no matter um, what it sounds like. Yeah. But if you're going to get up there, you gotta, you gotta really take control um, and be able to deliver on that song. But I love that song. Um, I sang journey. Don't stop believing in my way. So I probably should throw that out there too. Wow. Um, That, but you've got no comfort zone. I love that. Yours is expanding. I have no shame. I love it. No shame. Singing at your wedding. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's courageous, right? However, everybody in that room loves you. Yeah. And, and look, it's at one o'clock in the morning too. Yeah. So yeah, true enough. You know, what could go wrong? But true enough. um, you know, it's uh I I, I don't mind the stage. I, I enjoy it. So it's just something funny to to try and do. The bright lights don't bother you. No. Um I you know, for better or worse, I prefer it. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but embrace you know, it. Might as well make it a, might exactly you might as well embrace it and make it a good thing. I love it. And and I cannot wait to uh, subscribe to your podcast when you get that that going. Most important question of them all, Jared, somebody wants to connect with you. How do they do it? You can call me. You can email me. I'm probably the easiest person to get a hold of. I love it. Um, so, you know, uh, my email is jschlosser at stonehillsc.com. My cell phone is 404-580-2193. Um, you can shoot me a text, however you need to get a hold of me, you can find me. And I believe you're on LinkedIn, if I recall. For sure. Connect with Try them. Try to be active as I as I could be on there. So um, well, you're there. It's the yellow pages, right? So if someone that's hears right. you, that's way to go. And Thomas will certainly uh, put those in the show notes. So if you are on the treadmill, you're walking the dog, you can press right through and and connect with Jared. Jared, I appreciate you, man. Absolutely, man. Really appreciate what you're doing and and respect the hustle. Thank you, my man. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Elements of Styles. If you learned something, if you laughed, if you thought of somebody, forward this to them. Share it. Share it with them. Share it with everybody. And reach out to Jared. He's a wealth of knowledge. And get ready. We'll be announcing when his podcast is live. So we'll make sure that you can smash the subscribe button for him as well. Folks, thank you for listening. Talk with you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.